This is Sunday Focus, a weekly public affairs program that looks at the topics affecting our society and the people who are making a change in the community each and every day. The people who have vision for the next generation. Sunday Focus presents new challenges for us, keeping you informed with topics of local and regional interest. Now the host of Sunday Focus, Christine Manica. Good morning. Coming up on the program today, Sioux Falls City Councilman Pat Starr joins me in the studio to discuss COVID-19 in the state of South Dakota as well as in Sioux Falls. We will discuss what has already happened in the past year, the current city council meetings, and what Sioux Falls residents have to look forward to in the future. All that and more coming up on Sunday Focus. Hi, I'm Trooper John Schroeder with the South Dakota Highway Patrol. Expect the unexpected if you travel this winter. Keep updated on the latest weather and road conditions. Reduce your speed when traveling on snow or ice-packed roadways. Move over when approaching vehicles on the side of the road. Remain patient when you have vehicles around you. And always wear your seatbelt. Let's make sure we all get through this winter safely. Welcome back to Sunday Focus. I am joined by Councilman Pat Starr. He's graciously agreed to be a part of this program today and in person, too. It's nice to have someone in the studio. Welcome. Well, thank you. Uh, it is nice to look across the uh, room and actually see a <laughs> smile that some people have teeth and lips. And yes, can... that exists. Oh, my gosh. You know, this world has been crazy for a little bit over a year, and I know COVID has really changed a lot of aspects in the way that we live. But before we talk about that, let's talk about the plans for the Sioux Falls City Council. Now, for one, there was an election that did happen, if people forgot about that, which meant there was a potential to get some fresh new eyes in the council. What opportunities did that allow the council to to have with that new perspective? Sure. It was interesting to move an election together because one of the things we've looked at in the past is we've done city and school separate from primary Mm -hmm. election in June. So by the time we combined those things, the turnout was a lot more. Uh, It took days to get some of the counting done and people (laughs) wanting results a lot faster. And one council race was really close, under 100 votes difference between the the two candidates. Mm So really was an interesting way to campaign as well, too. How do you knock on people's door or go to the mall to meet people or the grocery store. And so, but you know what? We did it. And people turned out, people found a safe way to vote. They found ways to vote absentee. They found ways to uh, go to the polls that were safe. We didn't see, you know, voting locations turn into that. We saw probably a lot more turnout in November again because of the a, a contested presidential race and some statewide races. Mm-hmm. So we saw four years ago, um, from four years ago, the last presidential election in Minnehaha County, there were all, over 30,000 more people voted wow. than did four years earlier in a presidential race. So people found a way to vote. And it was interesting. There were a a lot of absentee, record number of absentee ballots. And we made it easier for people to vote and to to get their uh, voice heard. Now that we kind of have a little bit of a handle in 2021, what's coming down the pike for the city council? Any new businesses on the horizon? Something that you're looking forward to, maybe? We have more money than we know what to do with. (laughs) You're going to see some large, I mean, that's uh, with the latest stimulus, we still have a ton of money to spend. Uh, the city of Sioux Falls got a direct payment from the state, from the you know, as part mm-hmm. of the CARES Act of forty-one point five million. 
how do you invest that into the community to not only stimulate the economy, which you look around, at least the building community is doing really well. Mm -hmm. Restaurants are still struggling, but they're starting to come back. Some of those in-person type of events, you saw a couple of large country acts in the last week have sellout crowds and Mm -hmm. people elbow to elbow uh, in, in some of those events. And so we'll watch this. But I think we're on the five yard line. And that's what's scary is if you spike the ball on the five-yard line, you're not getting the touchdown. We need to cross that goal uh, line before we get to that point. And I think we're struggling to get to that point yet. Everybody wants to go and we're ready to, you know, I'm tired of it and I want to move on and I want to do some things. We have to be cautious for another couple of months until we get all the vaccine done. We make sure the variants don't mm-hmm. take off. So I get ahead of the, the questions. So. <laughs> You're all good. Anything that you'd like to see come to Sioux Falls? Well, I think one of the things that's going to be the most exciting, and we've already kind of seen that with the Jacobson family making a donation to the city to do a public-private partnership with yeah. a refrigerated ice rink downtown. Uh, the things that city government ends up doing are those quality-of-life things like parks, like uh, bike trails, uh, splash pad, uh, expanding the the park, the dog park over in yeah. the uh, Hayward addition in a part of town that doesn't have good facilities, but uh, to add that uh, a, a spray pad. So again, this next week, we're going to come out with a $22 million spending plan to how to invest some of those CARES Act dollars, putting it back in the community. It's tough because there are people who are struggling and people are really, it, it's hard to be excited about some of the new yeah. things that we're doing. And that money was supposed to be spent to um, stimulate the economy and help people who are there. And we've done some of those things. We did a housing uh, month voucher program. Mm -hmm. We've done some other things. We paid off $25 million worth of city debt with the CARES Act money. But again, we're in that point where do you stimulate the economy? Do you look at long-term projects that we're able to move up? Do we make Sioux Falls a better place to live? And you're going to see a lot of that part of it in that 22 million that makes Sioux Falls a better place. If you are just joining us, Councilman Pat Starr with the city of Sioux Falls Council, he is with us in the studio. So now let's get to the nitty gritty part of the program. It could be a little bit tough and it could be a little bit of recall too. So let's take it back all the way to the beginning when COVID first became a reality for the Sioux Falls area just one year ago. When that first confirmed case was announced, How did the city council want to tackle this at first, since there was only, I believe, five cases at the time when it was announced? You know, for me, what I remember that that really stood out is when we started seeing the cases at Smithfield, when you saw a large group of people in your like those first that first death of the gentleman who died. And if we remember, we look back, there were some incentives for people not to or, you know, for them to come to work and maybe when they were sick and some things that I think, you know, hindsight, we could look back on. But. The thing for the council, when we look at policy, is we have a health department that's remarkable. We had a a great program, so we were able to look at the numbers and we're looking at the forecasts. And thank goodness some of those and we were able to do things to kind of flatten the curve that would have normally happened. But being able to have um, the health department take a look at what's going on and then it became really political. You know, and what are we doing? Okay, let's balance public health with the economy and Mm -hmm. try. And and at the beginning, you know, we want to do personal responsibility. We want to do these things. But then we saw the numbers start to skyrocket and the things that we had to do. 
our citizens made great sacrifices in the spring because we didn't know what was going on. Yeah. When we shut down the schools, when we shut down businesses to people to work from home, we've changed the economy of how, where can you do your job from? And so, which over the long term is really going to make some differences because we fund our government in South Dakota with property taxes. So if you don't have a large office building, now we're going to have to raise taxes on your home mm-hmm. to cover those differences. So again, at the beginning, we took it very seriously. Yeah. And then where do you go from that? And then we got drug into the national scene. Our numbers went through the roof. And then again, I would say we probably spent more time looking at the political side of it than we did the public health side of it, which was unfortunate. More ways than one. Yeah, the state and the city of Sioux Falls became just that national hotspot. So all of a sudden, cities and states across the country are shutting down, implementing those mass mandates. And yet you have states like South Dakota and Sioux Falls that are continuing operations pretty much as normally as possible. And that's because Governor Kirstie Nome, she did leave it up to the city officials to make those proper decisions. Now, you already hinted at this already. The city of Sioux Falls did pass a couple of ordinances. Can you quickly mention these ordinances and what they entailed? Sure. We just we were looking at how do you handle the number of people in a facility? And really, the ordinances weren't as important that we passed in again. Again, it, it, it's there, but we took our planning and development services division and they were able to work with businesses. Mm-hmm. Okay. How much is six feet? Where should, how many people should you have in the restaurant? How do you, you know, and those were a lot of the debates at the beginning. Is this really safer when you have an, an invisible virus? And how, we still didn't know at that point how it was transmitted. Yeah. So we tried to pass some things that made sense for businesses to, to cut back, but as well to survive. So a lot of takeout business. Uh, I think we've all eaten a lot of takeout food. I'm starting oh, to yes. look like I've had plenty of takeout <laughs> food for, for the last year by the time we're done in, in comparison. Some better quality than others. Some tasted a lot better than others that weren't. It was as good for me. But by the time we ran through those those ordinance, we're just trying to figure it out. Yeah. And that was the, the frustrating part is, okay, if we pass an ordinance for the city of Sioux Falls, our MSA is bigger than that. You know, one person comes from one of the, the outlying communities and spreads things. And how do we shut this? But the thing was, a lot of the smaller communities around Sioux Falls were looking for Sioux Falls for leadership as well. Yeah. And so we were able to lead through some of that as well of, all right, how do we disinfect? What is it going to take? How much is airborne? How much is surface borne? And those things. And I think we, like I said, at the beginning, we kind of, you know, from some of the the initial forecasts were dire, but we took action to, to flatten that curve. And again, our focus was really on making sure that the hospitals didn't overload because there were a number of people who were going to die from the virus no matter what we yeah. did. What we didn't want to do is get to that point where people were getting their health care in the hallways and be overrun and people who would have survived the virus didn't because they didn't get the health care that they needed. And we got really close to that. Fast forward to May, businesses are starting to reopen up as well as restaurants and things seem to be getting back to normal for the most part. Cases were down, hospital rates were down. It seemed like we saw a little light at the end of the tunnel. Now, fast forward to around 
probably October around there. And now we see cases are rising again. Hospitalizations are going up. And this is when a lot of council members had in mind that it was then time to act. There was the first citywide mask mandate ordinance. It passed its first reading. Then after that long night on November 10th, the council did reject the mandate after Mayor Paul Tadagan had to break the tie. Less than a week after that first mask mandate, there was an emergency ordinance set in place to have a mask mandate of some sort. What was the difference between that first mask mandate and that emergency ordinance that did pass? Hospital numbers. Yeah. Talking to our healthcare providers, we had family members, we had people we knew that work in the both hospital systems saying we can't do this anymore. We can't come to work and, and continue to work. Well, I, I remember one news story that um, it was a, a nurse who had 18 months worth of experience who normally had one to two patients per shift. Mm-hmm. She now has three patients per shift working in intense in the intensive care unit. And she's proctoring or um, training someone else how to be an ICU nurse. Yeah. So you've got, I'm, I was pretty smart 18 months out of college, but I wasn't the experience that it would take. And I certainly don't deal with the things, the tubes and the, the intense things that go on. So it, that difference between those two dates was, hey, we're going to break. We can't do it. We're locking people out of the hospital and you couldn't get into the emergency room. You had to stand in the parking lot to prove you were sick enough and you had to get an appointment to get the care that you needed in advance of going to an emergency facility. So when we saw that, I believe that was the the turning point. And the other was, all right, we're not one of the biggest fears is how do you enforce a mass mandate? Are we going to put yeah. people in jail? Are we going to um, write tickets and do the police have enough time to enforce um, that law? So that got into a lot of the debate of do the what do we do? And the compromise was, is that we wouldn't include a penalty, but hey, it was required. And, and that was, as you saw, we were pretty split as a yeah. group of what we could do. So, And it's safe to say that it was a soft mass mandate by putting it that way, just because there were no penalties attached to it. Um, but, you know, I still think the people of Sioux Falls in South Dakota are law following type of yeah. people, whether the penalty is a $5,000 fine or time in jail or, or, hey, this is just the right thing to do for our neighbors. Yeah. Councilman Pat Starr with the city of Sioux Falls is here joining me in the studio. So more councils were for that emergency ordinance. The original sunset day was in January. Then it got passed to be moved to March 13th, which is brings us to where we are today. So once again, the mask mandate passed the first reading to be extended. This is the second time around to move past March. And the difference between these two readings that the next week for the second reading, um, it actually got pretty emotional between you guys and within the public itself. I was watching it from my home and you can literally cut that tension with a knife. Now, specifically after an hour into that public input, that's when things really started to turn up the temperature, so to speak. I know this could be tough to talk about, but can you just break down what happened in that moment? Um, After the first, the council rules, well, let me back up one quick thing. Normally on first reading, we extend it to a second reading. It's very rare. Even people who are opposed to the item, Mm -hmm. it gives the idea if you bring something. So that Mm -hmm. part of it. So that you can't read a lot into votes on first reading other than moving forward. I 
what happened or where I became a little concerned about the part of it is the people that were opposed to the mask mandate came and there was probably 20 or 25 people and they grabbed all the chairs that were socially distanced in the room, put them all together on top of each other. They blocked the entrance and the entrance to the podium to speak and stood over people while they talked. And I got a text during the meeting that several people had left because they were uncomfortable with people not being socially distanced, not wearing masks. And so that part of it. Our normal rules after an hour of debate is that then the council decides whether we want to continue to hear from the public. My position on that is if you come to Carnegie Town Hall and you're a member of the public and you say the exact same thing as the person before you, you still have that right to be heard. Mm -hmm. So I've fought over the years to make sure that if you come down, people just want to be heard by their local government Mm -hmm. and to cut them off or to tell them what they can talk about or not repeat what somebody else said. It puts a chilling effect over the room. Mm -hmm. So basically, we had a little dust up of, you know, that I disagreed that we needed to rehash what everybody said over the last hour, because the next thing that was going to happen is we were going to tell them that they couldn't talk about anything that people had talked about before. And that gets ugly. How do you cut someone off? Just give them their three minutes or actually at this point, it was five minutes. Let them say their piece. We're here to be heard. If we have to stay till midnight, we stay till midnight. But people want their government to hear what they had to say. Just for clarification with that extension, it would have been for at most two weeks or whenever more vaccines became available to the public, if I'm saying that correctly. Yeah, that's exactly it. For when we went from 1E, which we're in now, um, to 1D, which kind of gets to just about everybody that has, you know, frontline workers and has some pre-existing conditions and gets you through that whole first stage that the um, the CDC gave us for guidance. Mm-hmm. So as soon as that, you know, so it kind of gave you um, a background. We're still under a state of emergency and, and a proclamation that the, gives the mayor special powers of things they can do and funding. Mm-hmm. And so we're available to do those things. So this would have just continued it. And I think people are continuing to wear their mask. When I go around town over the last week, I I don't know, maybe people didn't get the message that we repealed it or it it expired Mm -hmm. or that they're still doing the right thing because that's what's best for their neighbors. Absolutely. And you were saying before that, too, no matter how many times you hear something from the public, it's their right to speak. And you probably thought at this point, well, we've heard everything. We don't need to hear everything else. But then you see more people come up, whether they're returners or they're new kids are even coming up and speaking, which is awesome. (laughs) It it is. um, Again, local government is where it happens. So people being heard is what happens. We hadn't at the hour Mark hadn't heard from either of the hospital systems at that point. Mm. So their spokespeople were kind of pushed out of the way while the the group that came at the beginning that weren't in favor of extending it kind of pushed them out of the way. Yeah. So we needed to hear from them. So we got into a little uh, scuffle about whether or not we should just move forward and continue on or whether we needed to recap and um it's unfortunate because again the the tensions get high but it was interesting because I was pushing for people to be heard and somehow they got the idea that I was trying to cut them off and that was any I've been anything but consistent that hey if you're here I'll stay till midnight 
if you want to be, you have the right to be heard. And that's really what it comes down to. We just got into an argument whether we should spend time yeah. recapping what everybody said. Well, we just sat through it. I don't, I can do my own recap. Let's keep going because I want to hear people who want to be heard, but I don't want to sit here any longer than I have to either. So mm-hmm. what, however long it takes, it takes. Talk about deja vu. Then once again, the mayor had to break the tie between the council. And while the mayor was reviewing his decision, he stated this is in no way a victory. I'm quoting here. What you're seeing tonight is indicative of raising temperature in a community. And that's what he explained during his vote. What does that statement mean to you? And how did the people react to the vote? Well, you have to remember the chamber was full of people who were against extending the mask mandate. So there was still a little cheer. It's tough balancing. Again, we frame this as a personal responsibility versus good public health. And who has the science on their side? And Mm -hmm. it's become so political that there isn't a win loss. There are a lot of negatives of a a mass mandate. But those things that that were brought up all had exemptions in a lot of the things. Yeah. But our fellow citizens were were still rude that they go to uh, the grocery store and someone doesn't have a mask or they have their nose not covered, but their mouth covered and somebody yells at them. And, you know, I mean, it's personal. You know, whether someone has emphysema or you pick all of the things Mm -hmm. that you're going to die if you get COVID. I mean, this isn't just, you know, I'm going to have a really bad cold for a lot of people. It was there. But 1900 people overnight we're at 1900 people for the state of South Dakota have died from COVID. And to minimize any one of those is, is wrong. So I get where the tensions were there. But at the same time, you saw the same bullying, uh, inappropriate action by the people who were claiming they were bullied and intimidated. So, yeah. I mean, it just it it's unfortunate. We need to come together and do that. And I know it was a tough decision for the mayor. Mm -hmm. But in that job as mayor, you have to lead our community. If you want to extend this for another couple of weeks or whatever it would, and we thought that that's what all the public health people were telling us. Both health systems are like, we need this. We can't take our foot off the gas. We're at the five yard line. Don't spike the football now. Our public health director saying we need to extend this. You, You go down all of the people that have careers as epidemiologists. I mean, it's surprising how many people have degrees in Google epidemiology now Mm -hmm. that watched a couple of videos or brought studies that weren't studies. And, you know, both sides want to claim that they have the science down, that science is on their side. And they're probably both wrong. But the bottom line, I and in my vote, I thought we needed a couple more weeks to just get through enough yeah. vaccinations so that we don't have a third wave. But you watch what's going on again in the community right now. We're gathering in large groups again. We're watching concerts. We're advertising programs at the uh, Premier Center that, hey, no holds barred. Come on out. We're going to pack the place and and have events. We're not ready for that. I mean, we're not I mean, we're not seeing that in the numbers and the numbers are slowly we've plateaued and are starting to creep back up again. The hospitalizations are starting to go slow. We're kind of back into that May, June period again. And again, is that trying to use fear to tell people that they have to take their personal responsibility away from them? No, but do it. You know, you need to you don't need to take the whole family to the grocery store to get groceries. We don't need to pack the the malls and we don't need to pack the events. We got to hang on. We're so close. All of the things that we've sacrificed for over the last year, mm-hmm. we're going to lose. And that third wave is going to be more devastating if we don't take the precautions and the mitigation efforts that we need to. Counselor Pat Starr, he is joining me in the studio. Now, your position and the work that you and your fellow members do in the city council. 
council does not go unnoticed. I can speak for that. No one in a public office position signed up to be part of a global pandemic. The last time I checked anyway, did you ever think you would be faced with this sort of health crisis in your position? I'm I'm not sure about a pandemic, but I knew that we would um, during the time that there would be things that come up that that are going to be tough. It's not an easy job. And to be quite honest, uh, drainage water probably gets just as uh, vocal and Mm -hmm. just as or housing or zoning changes or all the things that we do to try to make our community better Mm -hmm. um, is there. And, you know, really, we did sign up for this. We volunteered. We put our hand up in the air and said, hey, we want to be part of this. We'll do what it takes to to make our community better. I explain to people all the time that the mayor gets to cheerlead for what's good today. Mm-hmm. You know, my job and the, the council's job is to say, what are we going to be like in 10 years? What are we going to do in 20 and how do we make the future better? So our job is to probably be a little more negative than what the mayor's is. Hey, everything's great in the community today. This is what we take credit for. It's working those details and policies out that take us into the future. What people did in Sioux Falls 10 years ago, 20 years ago, is why we're successful today. And then we have to set the policy that takes us forward to uh, to be successful 20 and 30 years from now. So I, I would say I did sign up for that. How do you feel after this year, after everything you've gone through? Seriously, how are you doing? Um, You know what? It's been and I told people when I first ran for this job that it was about my family and my kids. I wanted to set a good example for my kids. My kids now know more about zoning and they'll have a discussion (laughs) with you. They are zoning nerds. They go to school and their teachers tell me, well, why do they talk about zone (laughs) or who's? But they do. They want to know when Dave and Buster's is going to open because, gosh, you know, I mean, and and I'm not going to say Chick-fil-A because now my son's in college and he gets it every day if he wants it. Ah. Uh, Both of the state schools around here uh, have Chick-fil-A open. But, you know, those are the things that we get to because of the policies we set 10 years ago. What do we do so my kids can stay here and be successful? How do we open the USD Discovery District is one of the things that I get the most excited about. How do we bring biotechnology to our community? I keep saying we have to buy our way into that marketplace. We have to get that first biotech company here. We need to make the investments that it takes that Sioux Falls is a great place to live. We have to continue to make our parks great. Now I'm sounding more like a politician like I'm running. (laughs) I'm not running for anything. I'm done with that for a while. So. But, but that's what we have to do to be to make our community. We have to get through this short term pandemic, which hopefully it is a short term pandemic. Yeah. And, and we're able to figure out exactly where it's at and get the variants under control and move on with what we do. And this will be the good old days that we'll we'll talk to our grandkids about and what we did and how Can't awful believe that it, we lived through this. Yeah, we, we did. And how awful it was to wear a mask to school. And, you know, we did homeschool. And, you know, when when we started educating kids from home, my kids thought it was the greatest thing ever. And that <laughs> lasted about three days. And, <laughs> and then mom and dad had to learn so much. But my spelling's better. I'm, oh, I spend a lot more time uh, working on spelling this. Probably better speller than me. No, I'm not. I write write like a doctor so that I don't have to spell things correctly. But but there are good things happening in Sioux Falls. We just have to continue them on. And, and, And we're there. We just... We got to give it a little bit, a uh, little push to get us over the edge. And we are on the five yard line with this pandemic. But we also have some really serious things that we're going to be addressing in the future. We have to address housing. 
we can't have 65 houses on the multiple list service in Sioux Falls because you can't buy a house in Sioux Falls right now. You can't get a house built for you. Yeah, it's you. crazy. Um, you know, and we're bringing large employers and large amount of jobs. Um, you look at uh, Amazon coming to town. 80% of the jobs that will be at Amazon, those employees will qualify for low-income housing or workforce housing mm-hmm. or accessible housing. We've got all kinds of names for it right now. So how are we going to attract those people to our community when we're already at a 3.5% unemployment rate? So how do we provide housing for those folks? How do we look long-term to do it? And then you add all of the other conditions that are going on in the country. You look at the weather thing in Texas. Mm -hmm. They're sucking up all my PEX tubing so I can (laughs) run water to my basement that we're doing a remodeling. And, you know, I mean, it's just going to be something that we have to continue to address. And I think we have the stimulus funds to do that. We have the the ability. It's just us putting a plan together as we move forward. I appreciate you coming in, Counselor Starr. Anyone has any questions or concerns what is your email i know it's probably out there already and you get sure. enough but no, just no 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 case. no no. i love email i thought you were <laughs> going to ask me for my cell phone and i would only <laughs> i would only share that with the people that are listening today 605-321-9680 goes right to my cell phone if i'm not on it i answer it and it's p star s-t-a-r-r uh at siouxfalls.org i can address it and give you a better question emails get you i can forward it on to directors and city officials that can get the real answer that I can't necessarily always have all the background for. So, All right. Awesome. Thank you, counselor. Anytime. All right. We'll be back. With so many myths about the COVID-19 vaccine, it's important to know the facts. Every COVID-19 vaccine goes through rigorous testing to show that it's safe and effective for patients. Similar to the flu shot, the most common side effects of the COVID-19 vaccines are injection site pain, soreness, and swelling. These side effects show that a vaccine is working and your body is building an immune response. Get vaccinated to protect yourself, your family, and your community. Learn more about the COVID-19 vaccines at SanfordHealth.org. Travel in this winter, make sure you are ready in case winter weather hits. Hello, I'm Trooper Alfredo Rentria with the South Dakota Highway Patrol. Keep updated on the latest weather forecasts and road conditions. Have a winter safety kit in your vehicle. Let someone know your travel route and destination. Make sure your cell phone is fully charged. If you do get stranded, stay with your vehicle. Be a safe traveler this winter. I'm Christine Manica, and you've been listening to Sunday Focus. I'd like to thank my guest, Councilman Pat Starr from the City of Sioux Falls, for joining us on the program today. Once again, if you have any questions for Councilman Starr or any counselors on the City of Sioux Falls Council, you can always go to the city's website for their information. Join us again next week for another edition of Sunday Focus.